Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Happy Thursday to you. Of course, happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you here with us for this hour of spiritual direction on the inner life. Uh, Every single day of the week, we end up talking with different priests, different spiritual directors, just helping us to understand how God might be speaking to us in our lives, how the Holy Spirit might be leading And, uh, of course, we always invite your phone calls as well. And today, as we begin the program, you know, I was thinking about it. Have you ever noticed that there's this odd occurrence where you'll have two movies, they come out around the same time, and they have very similar stories? It doesn't only happen with movies, of course. You know, this can happen with literature. Uh, In music, there will be fads that sweep through a particular time and most other music of that era, it's influenced by that sound. But when it comes to movies, you know, the first time I really noticed that there were two nearly identical movies coming out close together, at least on the surface, this was in 1989. That year, there were two movies released about a police officer who ends up working with a dog. And the first film was K-9, letter K, number nine. K-9, and it starred Jim Belushi. It was released at the end of April in that year of 1989. Only about three months later, the second movie came out. That was Turner and Hooch, starring Tom Hanks. Now, why did two different film companies, film production companies, happen to make such similar movies within such a short window of each other? I have no idea, but this has happened again and again in Hollywood. If you're older and you have kids, or maybe you were a kid yourself at the time, you might remember this is a little over 20 years ago. Pixar released their second film, A Bug's Life. It's an animated film featuring insects as the characters, which you could probably infer from the title A Bug's Life. So it came out in November of 1998. One month earlier, though, in October of 98, the movie Ants, Ants with a Z, that's another family-friendly animated film that has insects, of course, primarily ants, as the main characters. Well, that one hit theaters in the U.S. there in October, one month earlier. And if you look it up on Wikipedia, they even have a whole page that's dedicated to this sort of thing. You can find it under Twin Films. And it shows entries of all kinds of movies that are quite similar and released within about a year of each other. It goes all the way back to 1934, at least this entry on Wikipedia. It shows two movies released in that year, 1934, both of them telling the story of Catherine the Great. And I mentioned, you know, this can happen in music, this can happen in literature as well. In fact, sometimes it even happens in Catholic circles. You might not realize it, but two very famous saints in our church 
They both lived at the same time in different parts of the world, and they both wrote autobiographical works that had almost identical titles. St. Augustine is one of these saints, and his Confessions might be his most popular book. It's a book that's been read by countless Christians throughout the many centuries of Christianity, and it's believed that St. Augustine wrote it around the year 400. Right around that same year, 400, the saint that we celebrate today, St. Patrick, he had just been kidnapped from his home in Britain by Irish pirates, and he was taken as a slave to Ireland. And Patrick, he tells about his life, his conversion, how he spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ throughout Ireland in a short writing that he gave a similar name to St. Augustine's autobiography. The main difference is that St. Patrick, in his title, he uses the singular form of the word, confession, not the plural like the confessions of St. Augustine. So you can even look up the confession of St. Patrick online and read it for yourself. And in fact, I hope you do that at some point today because it's a rather short read. It's only comprised of 62 paragraphs. Most of them are actually rather brief. And it's such a beautiful expression of a person who is so thankful for all that God has given him a person who loves God completely and just wants to tell others about that love, about the God that he has discovered. So today on this Feast of St. Patrick, as you might expect, we want to look at the example of St. Patrick. And then there's that traditional story about how St. Patrick taught the people of Ireland about God by using the shamrock, pointing to the three individual leaves united in that one shamrock, illustrating the three persons in one God that we call the Holy Trinity. Today, we hope to have a better understanding of the triune God. And more importantly, even though we won't be able to fully comprehend an infinite God, we want to know and look at how all three persons of the Trinity are at work to draw us to God himself. And joining us is our spiritual director in just a moment, uh, Father Chris Walsh is going to be with us, and uh, we'll talk about that. I also want to point you to, you know, we're we're getting closer and closer to the halfway point of Lent being, uh, (laughs) coming to an end. I know halfway seems like, well, it's, it's not quite to the end yet, Josh, but we are getting there. If you haven't been watching Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, you heard one right before we ended up starting the program here, and he talked about the readings that we have at Mass. If you haven't been watching the video uh, option that Father Rocky has, that goes into even more detail. Again, you can find those as you can find almost anything for Relevant Radio on our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. But also, you can sign up. It's not too late to sign up and have those delivered. If you haven't been receiving those in your email daily, do that. Just go to our website. You'll see the banner there, Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You just click on there, and you're able to register for that. And now, through Easter Sunday, you'll get the rest of those lessons, and you can go back and review all of the past lessons there as well. Again, Lenten Lessons on the Mass, and uh, that's at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Our spiritual director joining us right now, Father Chris Walsh, is with us. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, the pastor of St. Raymond of Penyafort Catholic Church there in Philly. Father Walsh, welcome back to The Inner Life. 
Thank you so much. Happy St. Patrick's Day. May the the joy of the Holy Saints of Ireland be with all of our listeners. Uh, Yes, thank you, Father. And it is, you know, a a great time of celebration in our country here in the U.S. Um, Something that I've heard over and over again, we've kind of co-opted uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day here more than maybe it's even recognized in Ireland in certain ways. Um, but <laughs> it's it's something where we have a lot of myth about St. Patrick along with a lot of fact of St. Patrick. And so maybe here to start off, can you tell us a little about the life of St. Patrick? Help us know what really he he has told us about himself, what we can trust that is real about the life of St. Patrick? Yeah, first off, you know, he didn't drink green beer, uh, he didn't wear leprechaun hats, and uh, he probably never wore green either, you know, so we can start off with those things. Um, so he's born, you know, again, we don't have exact details because it, we're talking about the, the 5th century, uh, but born at some point in the early 400s. Uh, original name, we believe, uh, was Maywin Sukkot, um, which, which literally meant a great god of war. How about that for a name? Uh, his father worked for the Roman Empire. He was a tax collector. Um, the parents were probably from Italy. So again, that, that story comes down. Lots of our Italian friends like to say, well, happy St. Patrick's Day. Patrick was Italian. Um, again, not Italian as we would understand Italian because the country of Italy didn't really exist, but coming, coming out of the Roman Empire, it would have probably been Italy. But his father was sent to England or Wales, we're not sure which, as a tax collector. And so that's where Patrick grew up. Uh, we believe uh, that his father was a deacon and, something we don't often hear today, his grandfather was a priest. So he comes from a family of believers. Uh, however, as, as Patrick, or at the time Maywin Suckett, is growing up, uh, by the time he's a teenager, he, he reports himself in his own confessions, uh, which you alluded to, that um, you know he didn't have faith. As a teenager, he's captured by Irish pirates and taken back. This would have been a very common thing in the, in the ancient world, where folks were invading different people, especially there in the, in the islands, and, and just capturing slaves for workers. He spends several years as a slave, begins to cry out to God, um, and, and recover some faith, as often happens uh, when people are, are, are under great stress. And, and here's a vision from God, um, is, is told that he's, he's going to go home. Um, it begins to bolster in Patrick from what we know from his writings and about him, a great trust in the providence of God. He, he goes back, uh, spends some time probably in France, uh, maybe some more time in England, uh, hooks up with a monastery there, begins to study the faith uh, in a more intense way, and is ordained a priest. We don't believe he was a bishop before he goes back to Ireland, but eventually becomes a bishop, why he's often pictured with a mitre on his head, which probably was not part of the um, liturgical garb uh, in, in Patrick's time, but, but modern artists. Um, and, and he's sent back to Ireland uh, by God, and his own desire as well, uh, to win over his captors, not with a sword, as often would have happened in, in, the, in the secular world, but with the gospel, right? Uh, he, he wants to go there, and, and he eventually settles mostly in the west of Ireland, what is today County Mayo, um, and, and later times there's claims, everyone in Ireland claims that Patrick was there and established churches up in Kildare and up in the north in Armagh, um, but we're not exactly sure. We're not exactly sure. As a matter of fact, some historians think that there might have been some other people named Patrick and stories kind of got conflated, but there certainly was this Patrick. Uh, they, they say that his body's in the, in the cathedral there in Armagh, but we don't know that for sure. Um, 
and, and some stories have him living 120 years, like like Moses, but 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 most likely uh, dead in, in in the 430s. So, um, and, and again, he, he preached the gospel. Uh, we we know that for sure. We have his own account, and and, and drew many to Christ. There were probably other missionaries uh, working in Ireland, um, you know, but certainly Patrick rises to fame, and uh, and 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 the and the story comes down. And as you said, you know, in Ireland it was it's celebrated, you know, as as a as a holy day. Um, he's, he's the patron of Ireland. As a matter of fact, the pubs in Ireland were closed uh, right through the 1970s. Mm. But but it was the Irish Americans who who sort of claimed uh, the St. Patrick's Day as their rally day. Uh, here in Philadelphia, we just had our parade on Sunday. New York's is today. Those parades date back 250 years, and it was a chance for Irish Americans to come together in many ways as a, like a labor force to say, look, we're here at a time of great persecution of the Irish people for them to unite and sort of say, look, we're here in America and we're not going anywhere. And so all the celebrations that are common around St. Patrick's Day today and, and sort of the revelry is certainly not part of the life of Patrick, who was a man of great penance and great prayer and great sacrifice. But again, it goes from America back to Ireland. The parades in Ireland didn't start until the 80s, uh, long after the parades in, in, in America. Mm. Well, you know, I, I love the fact that we have this man here who, as you said, he's kidnapped, he becomes this prisoner, but his life is so radically transformed by the love of Christ that he experiences that he wants to go back to that place of captivity. It's not just God calling him. He, he personally wants to go back there to try and introduce these people to Jesus and bring them this message of salvation. Uh, that's, that's remarkable. And, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen that in lives of other saints as well. They'll, they'll walk into a place where they know that this might have been the darkest part of my life thus far. But God is calling me here, and I want to help. Say I, that kind of love, that kind of witness, uh, is so so amazing to me. I, I was in our school this morning visiting some of the classrooms, and I was in uh, first grade, and I said to the kids, uh, "What do you know about St. Patrick?" And one of the girls raised her hand and said, um, "Well, uh, he was a saint, so I think he loved Jesus." And I thought, you know what? That's pretty much all. That's we all you. Know, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and the famous breastplate of St. Patrick prayer, right? Christ within me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, mm-hmm. Christ above me, right? Christ all around me. And, and again, that's certainly planted by his parents, right? In the faith of his childhood that went dormant. How many parents watch that happen with their kids? But the seeds are still there. And in a time of crisis, they're, they're born again. And Patrick turns to Christ and finds hope in Christ and makes an observation that, please God, we're all making, which is the evil that exists in the world, where someone could kidnap someone else, where someone could violently take someone else and make a human being a possession. The only thing that's going to conquer that is not the sword, not the sword, not war, but the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he knows that that's how those people are going to be changed, right? The, the, the division, the chieftain world, the druid world, the pagans of, of old in Ireland, the only thing that was going to win them over was the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he sets out to do it. You know, another thing that St. Patrick has traditionally associated with him, I mentioned this uh, earlier in the hour, there's this tradition of St. Patrick using the shamrock to teach about the Holy Trinity. And 
in that confession of St. Patrick, he doesn't really waste any time kind of getting into that talking about the Trinity. He starts off, I mentioned this again, if you just joined us, the Confession of St. Patrick, very, very short. It's something you can find online. You can read it in probably 15, 20 minutes tops. Um, it, it really does go through so much of his own explanation of where he was, what happened to him, and then what he does trying to bring God to the people of Ireland. 62 paragraphs is all it is. But in that, he just starts out, my name is Patrick, I'm a sinner, I'm a simple country person, the least of all believers. He gives just a couple of introductory paragraphs. By the fourth paragraph, he gives what essentially is a creed. And uh, I'll read it here, Father, just so we can kind of jump off of this. He says, there is no other God, nor will there ever be, nor was there ever except God the Father. He is the one who was not begotten, the one without a beginning, the one from whom all beginnings come, the one who holds all things in being. This is our teaching. And his son, Jesus Christ, whom we testify, has always been since before the beginning of the age with the Father in a spiritual way. He was begotten in an indescribable way before every beginning. Everything we can see and everything beyond our sight was made through him. He became a human being and, having overcome death, was welcomed to the heavens to the Father. The Father gave him all power over every being, both heavenly and earthly and beneath the earth. Let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, in whom we believe and whom we await to come back to us in the near future, is Lord and God. He is judge of the living and of the dead. He rewards every person according to their deeds. He has generously poured on us the Holy Spirit, the gift and promise of immortality, who makes believers and those who listen to be children of God and co-heirs with Christ. This is the one we acknowledge and adore, one God in a trinity of the sacred name. And so again, that comes from St. Patrick himself, and it's not far off from another creed that had just been put forth shortly before St. Patrick would have written this, that is, of course, the Nicene Creed. And we have St. Augustine, and we have St. Patrick, who both kind of have those similar lives. You talked about St. Patrick. He has kind of a religious upbringing, walks away from it. We see that with St. Augustine, too. And then both of them help to reinforce this teaching in their later lives of a triune God, along with the importance of understanding Jesus is both fully God and fully human. Can you talk about the significance of this for us? You know, we've had refined teaching here uh, of the church for centuries for ourselves here and now in our present day and age. But this was something that was being fought over in the early church. And you have two men who really have stepped forward and said, we're going to help promulgate this teaching and, and they embrace it fully and just transform the world. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Cause again, it is one of these original source texts that makes uh, Patrick a, a real person. And, and like Augustine also names his book confessions. Uh, you know, we live in America, and for the most part, most of us live in a in a Christian environment. Even though the larger society is no longer overtly Christian, most of us are our world is Christian, uh, or at least Christian f uh, familiar. And so, to say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, no one bats an eye. However, if you spend time here in our country, and certainly in in other missionary lands, and you talk about the Trinity, you, you will get an experience of, of wait, what? Right. So so our school has a large number of students who are not only not Catholic, but 
not from Christian homes, from from just sort of a maybe deists, I guess we would say. I don't think they're agnostics or atheists, but probably deists. And so our kids, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, when you're talking about the Trinity, like the concept is foreign to them, right? And even as kids get older, they're, they're struggling with this concept. And I've got to be honest with you, it, it, Josh, it makes me sort of slow down and think, okay, yeah, like I, I can't just take this for granted for myself or for others. And and so that's that was the entire world of Augustine. That was the entire world of Patrick, certainly when Patrick arrives back in, in Ireland. Um, and, and so I think, you know, the shamrock you referred to, and you know Augustine has these different experiences too of you know pouring you know water into the sand and and, and these types of things. You know that they were looking for ways to kind of grab this concept. And and what we believe from Irish history is that you know the pagan religions there, the Druids, had this idea of a um, a, a tri god. So it wasn't a trinity, but there was a concept of, of of you know three was a popular number of perfection, and and they would often link in the different. Tribal, uh, uh, tribal groups, they would link uh, three gods together. And, and so Patrick is sort of going to build off that because that's where the people are and sort of challenge them to say, well, it's not three distinct gods. It's actually one god, but three persons, right? And, and the shamrock, you know, it wasn't that the shamrock was somehow seen. I've, I've seen stories that, oh, it was sacred to the Irish people. No, it just grew all over the place. <laughs> You know, it's part of the, that's where the, the green comes from. Yeah, you already know this. Here, yeah. let me tell you something yeah. that'll just, you know, bring you into exactly. touch with God. Yeah. Just the way Jesus talked about, you know, I'm, I'm going to cast out a net and, and drag in many fish, right? Or, yeah. or, the, or the wheat and the chaff, right? Great teachers are going to use the things that people are familiar with. And so that's where he comes up with the shamrock. It wasn't some sacred plan. It was just, it, was, it grew everywhere. And so no matter where he was, he, he wouldn't have to walk too far to find a, a piece of shamrock to say, okay, you see how this is, is three and one. And again, it, it's a weak thing, right? All of, our, all of our concepts of the Trinity are lacking because we're talking about the very mystery of God. And so we re- need to rely on the word of God. We need to re- rely on the revealed traditions of the church. And we need to rely on our own act of faith that I believe, yes, there is one God, who is three persons, you know, all three are God. Uh, and, and we see Patrick helping to contribute to the church's teaching on this by what he writes and what he teaches. Our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, talking about St. Patrick and also about the Holy Trinity, one of those key concepts that Patrick helped to teach to the people of Ireland and trying to understand it to the best of our ability today too. And more importantly, Not just simply understand who and what God is, but how God interacts with us. And so how about you? What has helped you to have that understanding of the Trinity, the the three persons in one God, but how have you seen all three persons of the Holy Trinity work in your life to draw you to God? Our number, you can call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, Maybe you have a question about the Trinity, and again, <laughs> we we can answer to the best of our ability here, uh, but because we're talking about an infinite God, uh, we will have limited responses on this, of course. We won't understand every aspect and every detail about God, but you're welcome to call in with your questions as well, 888-914-9149. The email address innerlife at relevantradio.com and we'll continue talking about this right after a short time out on relevant radio and the relevant radio app catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line 
For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This is The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director this hour, Father Chris Walsh, as we're talking about the life of St. Patrick, the impact of St. Patrick in our Christian belief, and also one of the common teachings that he helped really bring out into the world, the teaching of the Trinity. And what has helped you to have that better understanding of the Trinity? Uh, How have you been able to see all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in your life? The number you can call into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, I, you know, before we go any further, I, just what, how about for you? What has been the thing that has helped you to understand, you know, whenever that was that, and I'm sure like all of us, it's probably you, you evolving your understanding a little bit more with every year of life here on earth, but what kind of initially helped you to grasp as much as humanly possible, God being one yet at the same time, three persons. Yeah, I I was blessed, um, you know, throughout my life, uh, being Catholic school and and have really good teachers. And I always say that when I do courses for Catholic school teachers or for catechists or youth ministers, I I always make them practice right at the beginning. What I tell them is going to be the most important uh, line they'll ever use in teaching the faith. And then to make them repeat after me these words, I, bet I, know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I saw and that I said, please don't make this up. You know, please don't make things up. If you don't know something about the Trinity, don't, don't make it up. And I was blessed. And again, I was coming up in the 70s and 80s when sometimes our catechesis wasn't always, you know, the, the most refined. But I don't feel like I was ever given stories. You know, I, I was... I remember teachers saying, you know, I don't know, let me check on that and get back to you, particularly in high school where kids can be tough. But I remember I had a high school teacher, um, and it was I think it was probably freshman year of religion, and it was a conversation about the Trinity. And the person said, well, you know, I could almost understand there being three gods instead of those three persons in one God. And, and the teacher said, uh, I can picture the guy's face, but I can't remember his name, sadly, but he said, you know, we live in a world where it's always about competition, he goes, with God, there's no competition. He goes, if there were three gods, the way we define God, it would, it would by nature, lead to competition. And, and that's, that's, that's antithetical to who God is, that, that God is a unity of persons, that God desires unity. And so why would God trip us up right from the beginning and having three gods that are always going to be in competition with each other? And I'm not sure that that sold everyone in the class, but it just made sense to me as a 14-year-old kid. Right? This idea that, that, yeah, God is totally different than us, right? And, and we're always in competition, which is maybe why the Greeks and the Romans, who created their own systems of gods, they often had gods who were in conflict with each other. Our God isn't interested in being in conflict. Our God is love. Our God is secure in his own identity, and so doesn't need to win us over. Now, when I got to the seminary and began studying theology in a more formal way, um, we had, a, again, very blessed with phenomenal professors. And one of them, I don't remember which one, said to me, said to our class, taught on a concept of what's called Trinitarian inversion. So instead of starting with the Father and then moving to the Son and the Holy Spirit the way we pray, start the other way. What's the mission of the Holy Spirit? Well, the whole mission of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus present, 
right? So whether it's at the Incarnation, which we'll celebrate next week in the womb of Mary, whether it's at Mass, when the priest calls down the Holy Spirit, whether it's in how the Scripture was written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the whole mission of the Holy Spirit is always the same, make Jesus present. Make Jesus present in the womb of Mary, make Jesus present on the altar, make Jesus present in the Word of God. All right, so there, okay, the Holy Spirit's work is done, Jesus is present. What's Jesus' purpose? Well, he says, I've come that you might, might draw you to the Father, that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's all Jesus wants to do. It's why he preaches. It's why he dies. It's why he establishes a church. You know, the church's mission is not to put together you know, phenomenal athletes so the Catholic schools can lead the NCAA tournament. Right? That's not why the church was created. It's a happy byproduct, perhaps. But our purpose is to draw people into a living relationship with our Father here on earth and then eventually in heaven. So for me, that's one of the best ways, Josh, that I've come to understand the work of the Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit has a mission to do in me, which is to make Jesus present to me, make Jesus alive in me. And then as Jesus becomes present, you know, what does Jesus want to do? He just wants to comfort me and love me and forgive me so that he can then walk me into a, a relationship with my Father. Mm. Father, we've got Sam who's listening in Athens, Georgia. Sam, uh, it sounds like you've got a way that you've uh, been able to try and understand this mystery of our faith, the Holy Trinity. Yes. Um, hello, Father. Hello, Josh. Um, Hi, Sam. I wonder if you can tell me if there is a simpler, easier, and better way for me to describe to someone who has not heard of the Trinity than the way I've been doing it. I take a block of ice, and I say, the ice is H2O, and as it melts, it turns to steam and water, and it's still H2O, but it's in three forms. Yeah, so I've heard that example. Um you know, and, and there certainly is a way for that. That's a, an entry point for people to come to understand, um, you know, that the idea that, you know, God is one and God can be the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit um, <clears throat> and just sort of appearing under different ways. But the, 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 the challenge is that the, the Trinity is actually distinct persons. So it, it's still H2O under different forms. I think it helps people again, the way the shamrock did, grasp some understanding from nature and hopefully will lead them to the next level, which would be, you know, reading the scriptures, uh, reading saints' writings like Augustine or Patrick on the Trinity, and then experiencing it in their own life. So I think it can certainly, like so many other teachings, like the shamrock wasn't the be-all and end-all, but I think it's a start, Sam, and praise God that you even want to help people have that conversation. Uh, Father, you know, following up on that too, it might be good to talk about a couple of terms that the church uses when we describe God as he has revealed himself to us. Uh, the church explains that God is three persons, as you mentioned, with one divine nature. Uh, can you help explain the difference between nature and person, one divine nature, yet three persons? Yeah, when I was first invited to be on the show, I was joking that I hope I was just going to be invited on to sing you know, lovely pub songs and not have a complex conversation about Trinitarian theology. Uh, and, and here we are. <laughs> so. well, we'll sing pub songs later, Father, but <laughs> first, nature and persons. <laughs> yes. 
So, yeah, there, there can only be one divine person. And I remember a classmate in the seminary who, who talked about, uh, you know, Jesus when he became a human person. And the professor just wrote in red, I, I stopped reading here. You are in heresy. Please see me. You know, and this idea that, that, that God is a divine person. And even when Jesus becomes one of us, he takes on a human nature, a nature. And so these are these uh, philosophical terms that have, you know, identity. So there, there can only be one person. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, one nature of God. And then there's these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, again, this is the challenge with the, the steam, water, ice thing, which, uh, you know, sort of becomes in, 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 in theological heresies, Trinitarian heresies, this sort of modalism. Um, and again, the, the first, I would say, six, seven centuries of the church, the heresies were either about, you know, Jesus becoming a God-man. Was he really God? Was he really man? Um, was he just a man pretending to be God? Was he God pretending to be a man? Or this nature of, of the Trinity. And, 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 and so the, the, for the first seven, eight centuries of the church, this is, was certainly what we were thinking about. But this, this like, concept of, of persons, right? And so you know, what does it mean for, for the Father to be a person? Well, he's distinct from the Son, and the Son is distinct from the Holy Spirit, that they, they really are three distinct persons who are united in this, in this divine nature as one God. And then, of course, when Christ takes on a human nature as well, uh, it's sort of uh, a certain yeah, human nature, not a human person. Uh, so he takes on the attributes of, of humanity. Now, that never that doesn't mean that the Father becomes human or the Son or the Spirit becomes human, because that's unique to the person of Jesus. But he draws us all into uh, God because he's God. So I, right. I, I know the concepts are very, very difficult, but if we slow down, I, I think we're able to grasp some of it, and God will reveal the rest. Mm. Well, and even more on that, you know, uh, the divine and human natures that are there coexisting in Christ, when he takes on the human nature, it doesn't diminish or remove the divine nature um, that still remains fully intact there. So, yeah, I, it, it's it's a high level kind of conversation, and again, you know, uh, men and women who have far more knowledge than me, and probably you, Father, but you I know you have more knowledge than me, uh, they've wrestled with this, and we can only come so far just because we're trying to, in a limited capacity, understand this infinite, unlimited God. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I think is really important that we get to here, though, and you, you started to talk about this, is what does the Holy Trinity do in our lives? You talked about the example of going backwards instead of proceeding forward, how we normally pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit draws us to the Son, to Christ. What does Christ do? Jesus draws us to the Father. Um, how how have you seen the Holy Spirit work in your life to where you can recognize all three of those persons in more a more real, more concrete way? Yeah. Before we get to that, I think that, you know, as, as complex as Trinitarian theology is, when we, and again, we need to study, we need to have as much of a grasp of this philosophically and theologically as possible, but the fruit of really conceiving it will, will and, and comprehending it will come in prayer. 
right around the time that St. Therese of Lisieux lived was a woman named, another Carmelite named Elizabeth of the Trinity. Almost identical parallel lives, you know, simple education, entered the cloister at an early life, had a beautiful mystical life of prayer, and then also died very early. And Elizabeth, most of her writings, while, while Therese was writing about the simple life and um, you know, you know, small acts of love, you know, produce great her- uh, heroism. Uh, Elizabeth was writing about uh, the indwelling of the Trinity, right? And again, this is this is a belief of ours from baptism that, that baptism is not just the chance for everyone to meet the baby, right? Or or not just joining the church, or not just your parents publicly saying you're going to be a Christian. No, we actually believe that there's an actual cleansing of sin, and God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to live in you. Now, we, we can lose some of that likeness through sin, but we never lose that fundamental identity of who we are and that we're marked, right? We say that baptism gives us an indelible character, that, that God dwells within us. And, and, and Elizabeth, in, in the revelations that she had through prayer, says, you know, if we just have to stop and become aware of that, and certainly that's part of what Mass is supposed to do, right? That, that when we look around our churches, and I encourage folks when you're at Mass next, look in different churches. Are, are there images of the Trinity around somehow in art? It was certainly part of our traditional Catholic architecture and, and Catholic design to see images you know, of the Trinity in, in different ways. Um, but but you know, how do I know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me? Well, again, I look to the, the fr- list of fruits that are listed in the book of Galatians. I know that the Holy Spirit of God is present in me when I am patient and peaceful and loving and I have self-control and I'm gentle and I'm kind, right? Mm-hmm. And I have understanding, right? That, that when these fruits are present in me, St. Paul reminds us, then I know that the Spirit of God is present. How do I know Jesus is present in me? Uh, well, I act like Jesus. In particular, I think for me, it's when I'm suffering with patience and I'm not giving up hope but I'm remaining confident that even in the suffering, God is doing something. And, and how am I like God the Father? Well, when I'm, I'm loving people, even when they don't love me. And I'm trying to help them, even when they don't care about me, because that's what my Father in Heaven does. Mm. Father Chris Walsh is our spiritual director. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, the pastor of St. Raymond of Penyafort Catholic Church there in Philadelphia, talking today about the life of St. Patrick and one of those teachings that St. Patrick uh, taught in his lifetime, the, the concept of the Holy Trinity. And as we talk about that, how have you seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? How have you seen Christ working, the Father working in your life. Have you seen all three persons of the Holy Trinity and the fruit of what they bring about in your life? 888-914-9149. Maybe you also have a question about the, the, the understanding of the Trinity. Three persons, one God, one divine nature. 888-914-9149 is the number to call in. Uh, also want to encourage you to join us every day here Over the next eight days, we started just yesterday a novena for peace. Um, This is leading up to next Friday. That's March 25th, the Solemnity of the Annunciation. Pope Francis on that day is going to consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary during a celebration of penance in St. Peter's Basilica. At the same time, there's going to be a papal envoy over in Fatima that'll do the same consecration, and we're going to provide live coverage of that from Rome. Uh, But 
leading up to that, we have this novena for peace that we've started, and Drew Mariani every day at 3 o'clock Central during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy is going to be uh, calling upon God, asking for God's mercy, for the end to hostility, um, the end to all that we see that's happening in the news there in Ukraine. So I hope you can join Drew again at 3 p.m. Central today as he continues this nine-day novena for peace. And of course, we continue praying with each other during the family rosary across America and Father Rocky, and you can join that tonight at 7 p.m. Central. Um, Please keep, even if you can't join either one of those, Please keep the people of Ukraine and for a peaceful resolution there uh, in your prayers. And again, we'll be back with more with Father Chris Walsh right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I hope your St. Patrick's Day is off to a good start here, and uh, hopefully listening to this hour of The Inner Life is making an even better start to your day. I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you along with us here as we're talking with Father Chris Walsh about the life of St. Patrick, his influence on our world, uh, what we can learn from him, looking at also the concept of the Holy Trinity, one of those famous teachings that St. Patrick, he traditionally used the shamrock to be able to teach that concept, three uh, persons in one divine nature, one God. And today, also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address, relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, you talked about how in your life you see God working and you can you can see all three persons of the Holy Trinity there was uh, the, you know back I don't know I was probably 14 15 years old at the time and I had read through mere Christianity by CS Lewis and he has it's in the last section of that book he ends up talking about um, God as a Trinity, and I'll just read it here. He says, you know, if we if we cannot perfectly imagine a three-personal being God, what's the good about talking about him? And he says, there isn't any good talking about him. The thing that really matters is being actually drawn into that three-personal life, and that may begin any time. And he says, what I mean is this, an ordinary simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He's trying to get into touch with God, but if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God, God, so to speak, inside of him. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God, that Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what is happening? God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal he is trying to reach. God is also the thing inside him which is pushing him on, the motive power. God is also the road or the bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. So that whole threefold life of the three personal being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom where an ordinary man is saying his prayers. And when I read this by C.S. Lewis, again, you know, teenager, I think that was the first time I really said, oh, look at how harmoniously all three persons work to draw us to himself. And, and you know, it was one of those just kind of epiphany moments for me. And again, it allows the Trinity to go from, I think, you know, the devil 
the devil's going to do anything to sort of get at us and keep us from God and God's love. And I think one of the things the devil tries to do, of course, is to you know, keep us from thinking that the Trinity is real and thinking that the Trinity is at work, right? C.S. Lewis was so practical in saying, right, forget about this being this grand theological concept that you, you can never understand, right? It, it's at work when you're sitting there in your room praying. It's at work when you're there in adoration. Certainly you're focused on Jesus and Eucharistic adoration. But it's the Holy Spirit that's prompting your hearts. And, and, and what is the joy that, that, where does the joy come from? from? From being in the Father's house and from repenting and turning to him, that they're always at work together. Again, there's not the division that exists in, in man-made gods. There's not the division that exists in earthly gods of power and wealth. Our God is united. Uh, Father, you know, before we wrap up the hour, it might also be good to talk about, you know, we've we've discussed kind of the teaching aspect, the education aspect of understanding something like the Holy Trinity. We've talked about how there's that personal experience, that personal application. But then St. Patrick himself, he ends up transforming an entire island nation of people and we're talking about him today, you know, what, 1,600 years later after his yeah. life. Um, the the impact that he has, you know, I mean, there, there are so many people who try and leave their mark on the world, who try and do something so that they will be remembered. They have, uh, in some sense, this immortality. And here we have this man who, again, at the beginning of his uh, confession, he just says, my name is Patrick, I'm a sinner, I'm a simple countryman, and yet here we are talking about him because he took what he had, what he had learned, what he had experienced, and he shared that with others. I mean, that that right there is kind of the, that comes full circle on what we're talking about here. Exactly. You know, I think there's so many things to celebrate about this man, and you know, traditionally there's this idea that he drove snakes out of Ireland, but scientists tell us there were never snakes in Ireland. Um, but but again, for Christians, what does the snake symbolize? Evil. The, right. the the devil appears as a snake. And he was trying to drive out evil with the gospel. But first, he allowed the gospel and the relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to drive it out of him. You know, again, we, 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 we say so simply, oh yeah, he was kidnapped as a teenager and then enslaved for a period of time. Um, you know, so, you know, it's like, Okay, well, gee, that had to be traumatic, <laughs> you know. Like, like Patrick had to allow himself to be healed before he would go mm-hmm. back. He goes back to bring them the gospel in love, you know. And and so, in order to do that, he really had a lot of had to allow the work of God to do great things in him. And I think as we look at him as a model of evangelization, which again, Patrick today is celebrated as the patron saint of Nigeria because of all the Irish missionaries who went there, and down in the Caribbean islands because of the Irish missionaries who went there. Patrick sets up a model, which is, look, these are the people, right? These are the people I'm going to evangelize. And the reality is he probably didn't do the entire island of Ireland. It would take years for other missionaries to get there. Some were ordained by him and, and commissioned by him. But he knew that this was the people, which means what? He needed to understand their culture. He needed to understand their tribalism. He needed to understand the way they lived. And that's what great missionaries have done, right? Whether it was Peter Claver or Catherine Drexel or uh, Tolton or Greeley or Ignatius or... Um, you know, for, uh, Francisco Ricci, right? They understood the culture they went to. And so if we want to reach where our kids are, if we want to reach where our grandkids are, the folks in our parish who are no longer there, we need to understand where they are 
and seek to serve them without anger, without bitterness, but bringing them the joy that comes from a life with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what a beautiful legacy, then, if we even just impact those few people around us that we really can have that serious conversation with, be that witness of Christ's love in our life. And, 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 and don't think that it was easy for Patrick. Right, Patrick right. Was, was, was locked up while he was in Ireland as a bishop as well, at least we know from his confession, 60 days, where he thought they were going to kill him. So it's not like everyone's just going to lay down and say, oh, you brought me the gospel. Thank you so much, Grandmom. Oh, Dad, thank you so much for sending me these prayers. Oh, I get it now. No, they're going to push back. They're going to mock us. They're going to ridicule us. But we persevere because we know the truth will set these people free. And then, like Christ said, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted and reviled in my name. Father, we're down to about, uh, oh, 30 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour? Certainly. And just uh, because, you know, my father from heaven is, is probably making me uh, come up with this, I'll offer that in the Irish language okay. as well. And may the blessing of Almighty God in Anam, Arthur, Argus, Amik, Agnus, Aspirida Nama come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Father Chris Walsh, thank you so much for being our spiritual director on the program today. And have a happy rest of your St. Patrick's Day. Thank you for listening and being a part of the program. If you joined us late, of course, find the podcast that's posted just in a few minutes. You can find it at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about another remarkable saint, his life, what we can learn from him, St. Joseph. The Solemnity of St. Joseph coming up on Saturday, so we'll talk about St. Joseph tomorrow on the Friday edition of The Inner Life. I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program today. Stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.